What if uh, 20 years ago, when Amazon first issued its stock, it cost 18 bucks a share? What if you knew for sure that 20 years later, now, it was going to be worth more than $1,600 a share? What would you have done? I joked and said, I think I would have sold my kids to buy stock. <laughs> no. You'd have invested, right? Uh, let's say you love basketball. You're an eighth grader at Lakeview. You're playing, and your coach comes to you and says, it's a sure thing. I'm going to get you a scholarship to play at IU. You're going to have a career in the NBA. Sure thing. I guarantee it. Would that change the way you invested in your practice time and the way you worked at it on the team? Um, you're an intern Entry-level intern at Zimmer Biomet. And uh, your boss comes to you and says, it's a done deal, sure thing, I guarantee it, you're going to become a VP in this company responsible for 400 employees. Would that change the way you invested yourself in your internship? Probably. Uh, let's say... You uh, work at a company, and you know the plan at that company, and you know what's coming, and they are going to expand. The, the whole thing is just going to explode, but you choose not to invest. Why? What would keep you from investing? You know what's coming. What would you call a person that knew what was coming and then still chose to not invest? Hmm. As followers of Jesus, we know what's coming. We are part of a sure thing. We, we've read some of the verses this morning in the responsive reading. Here's another one, Philippians chapter 2. We know what's coming. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Sounds like Revelation, doesn't it? And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone's going to bow. We know where this is headed. Revelation chapter 5, we just uh, read part of it. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. You, meaning Jesus, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And then the picture at the end of time of a new heaven and new earth, and God's going to wipe every tear away from every eye and it says in Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We know where it's headed. We know how it ends. We get to invest ourselves in the greatest movement in the history of the world the kingdom of God, and we get to invest our lives in the organism that he entrusted with the message of the gospel and the job of spreading the gospel, the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of our value statements here is, the global mission of the church begins with our neighbors and friends and then extends around the world. The global mission of the church. You and I get to invest our lives, our time, our money, our love, our gifting, 
our energy. We get to invest in the one thing that lasts forever, the one sure thing investment. God's plan. Theme for our church this year, 2019. Kip said, it's invested. Invested to, called to make disciples. We're going to focus this year on every man, woman, and child in the WLGBC church family being spiritually invested in someone else's life. Our challenges through the year are going to be built around helping each of us take steps uh, toward two, investing in at least two people, two different relationships. One, intentionally investing in a person who's not yet a believer. This is a neighbor, a classmate, a coworker, a teammate, an extended family. I know God's put me in this person's life for a purpose. I want to be used by God to help him see Jesus in me, hear about Jesus from me. I, I want to see God work in their life so that they come to trust Jesus the same way that I have and we walk this path of faith together. I care enough about their life right now and their eternity forever that I will love them, serve them, share with them. So the, the question we're going to work at this year is, who's your one? Who's your one? So that's one intentional investment. The other one is intentionally investing in someone who's behind me on the path, the journey of faith. Somebody younger. Each of us saying, there's a, a person who's coming behind me that I want to invest in spiritually. Older men with younger men, older women with younger women. It's what's described in Titus chapter 2 and seeing that in action. God is stirring up something. Uh, I've talked with some of you about this already. He's stirring something in our church family I've seen before. I haven't seen before uh, the number of younger generation folks uh, who are going, uh, I want to know how they walked this. How did they navigate this? Uh, I want to know what I don't know yet. And I've never seen God work like this, bringing conversations about between older men and older women and talking about, well, okay, yep, uh, now I've got some time and my family's grown. What's God's place for me in the church now? What's God want me to do with all this life experience and years of having walked with Jesus? What now? And these conversations are happening and this desire in younger generations, God is up to something. And I think he's going to bring those together in Investing. So the other question we're going to ask ourselves, the first one was, who's your one that doesn't know Jesus yet? And the other is, who are you invested in? Who are you invested in? The calling of every believer in every generation is to make disciples of Jesus. That's why we're this year saying invested, called to make disciples. Every believer in every generation called to make disciples. Oh, it is risky. It is messy. It is rewarding. Two stories in our church. Uh, I asked their permission to be able to, to use their names. Uh, Becky Dick uh, lost her husband Phil to cancer over 10 years ago. 
It is amazing to watch the relationship that she has built with Mary Lou Owens. Mary Lou lost her husband to cancer. They became friends and mom's connection at first, but then uh, their mutual experience. Becky has invested in Mary Lou, and watching their friendship grow and develop, it is an awesome thing. Becky's invested in Mary Lou. Uh, Charlie Wright, he had a whole career as a teacher, middle school teacher. He invested in hundreds of young men in the classroom and through coaching. He's retired now, uh, but that doesn't mean much. Uh, all it means is he's shifted what he's doing to work. He's always working on a project. He's always fixing stuff. He is always building stuff. He is always working the orchard out the road here uh, or hunting groundhogs. And he is really intentional about calling younger men, somebody he used to have as a student, a young man in the church, and working shoulder to shoulder so that when they're working at a project, he is investing time and talk with a younger man. He is investing himself. So over these weeks, uh, as Kip said, we're starting today, new sermon series. For five weeks, we're going to talk about invested. It's the theme for our year but these five weeks, we're going to do some definitions, and we're going to try and set a path for the year over these weeks. So today, I want to demystify a few of the terms. There's some religious-sounding words that we use around church uh, that we probably make more complicated than they need to be. Uh, I'll throw out some definitions here, and over these next four weeks, we'll talk about them. In fact, throughout 2019, we'll keep looping back to some of these. Here are some of the definitions. What's a disciple? Disciple, the word means a learner. And that learning happens best in a, in a relationship. So when we talk about, uh, the other phrase we'll use is a follower of Jesus. And so what's discipleship? Well, it's the process of learning together. 2 Timothy 2.2 2 is on the back of your bulletin this morning. That's going to be a theme verse for us this year. The things that have been poured into me by someone else I want to turn around and pour into someone else who is going to pour them into another generation. It's, it's seeing four different transmissions of, of sharing what has been learned. Discipleship. A mentor is just a life coach. I'm allowing my life experiences, what God has taught me to shape and influence another person. Mentor. And then calling. We're going to be talking about it this week. It's God's purpose for my life. It's his purpose behind the ways that he has shaped me, gifted me, who he's made me. Calling. Jesus used stories. He used stories to teach spiritual truth. Uh, we call most of those parables. Uh, later this year, we're going to have a series of messages We'll look at a number of his parables. Today, we want to kick off invested by looking at one of his stories that is dealing with investing. So if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 25, that's where we're going to go this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Now, Jesus here is in his last sermon to his disciples, his followers, his learners. That last sermon takes place on the Mount of Olives. So this sermon uh, has been called the Olivet Discourse, Mount of Olives, Olivet. He gives a string of five different stories, parables, all about what's supposed to go on 
This is just before the crucifixion and the resurrection. Jesus is going, and they are to be watching for his return, waiting for his return, ready for his return, working until he returns. And that's the theme of all these stories. So actually flip a page earlier into chapter 24. At verse 36, he starts off saying, okay, what it was like in the days of Noah, that's what it's going to be like in the days when I return. He calls himself the son of man here. So verse 42, he says, therefore keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. Then he describes the owner of a house. Well, if he knew when the thief was going to show up, he'd have stayed awake and watched and kept the thief from stealing his stuff. So the point is, verse 44, you must be ready. The Son of Man, Jesus, will come at an hour when you don't expect him. Then he describes two different kinds of servants. And in verse 50, says the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he is not aware of. Be ready, watch, you're waiting, be alert. And then he gets to the third story in the string. It's the parable of the ten virgins, the beginning of chapter 25. Verse 13 is the lesson. Keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. And then into the fourth story in the string of five and it's what we call the parable of the talents all about watching waiting working and so he tells the story of a man who goes on a journey starting at verse 14 again again meaning same thread same theme be alert be ready watch wait Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who gave his servants, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Very common. Someone that had the kind of money that this man had in the story, uh, a landowner, a business owner. uh, The word here for servant is the word for slave. They would have a slave as the household accountant. Uh, The slave would run the books for the family business. He calls them together, says, I'm going on a journey, and he entrusts his property to them. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. A talent was a weight, not an amount of money. It was a weight. So you have to think uh, a weight of bronze or silver or gold, something valuable, useful as currency. A talent, best we know, uh, the weights varied, but best we know, uh, the talent was about 20 years worth of wages. A lot of money. Two talents, 40 years worth, five talents, 100 years worth of wages. So the point in the story is it's really valuable. He's entrusting a lot to them. And the parallel in the story, we're supposed to get it. Okay, the master who goes away, this is God. The servants, that's us. What's he entrusted to us? He's entrusted to us gifting, life experiences, abilities, spiritual gifts, the message of the gospel, the story of how our lives have changed because of faith in Jesus. He's entrusted things to us. He's entrusted to us gifting, and he's entrusted to us a calling, or turn them around, calling 
and the gifting we need to accomplish the calling. I like what one person said. Each of us has two major callings. Every follower of Jesus has two major callings. First one, to use their life work to bring glory to God and bless other people. My life work. Well, that's your job. That's you're a work-at-home parent. That's you're a student. That would be as a retiree. Whatever stage of life, I'm using that to bring glory to God and to bless other people. It's the first calling. Second calling, the call to make disciples. Every believer, every generation. The question is just where? Am I making disciples by being a follower of Jesus at this company? As a stay-at-home mom? As a student in college? As a middle school student? He's given us a calling and a gifting to accomplish the calling. One person wrote and said, when uh, the church comes to understand he's gifted us to accomplish a calling, then we'll move from being spectators of the production to owners of the vision to ambassadors of the mission. From spectator to owner to ambassador, we're called. God's entrusted so much to our church family. We're blessed to be part of an amazingly gifted multi-generation church family. I love it. Um, I want to hit the pause button because I get to announce a couple of things for uh, a couple of the gifted people God has blessed our church family with. want to share two announcements. First one, uh, third part of our mission is reach our world. The full wording is to serve and to reach our community, our world in order to help us accomplish that. We want Pastor Dave Rank to shift from his role in leading our music to serving as pastor of Community Impact. Dave's led our music for the past 25 years. He'll now use his gifting to do several things. One, organize our strategic big events. Most of you have experienced his gifting with We Care Warsaw. Second thing, to work to strengthen our partnership with our community ministries, community impact. We know we've got room to grow to serve our community, and it, our partners are fellowship mission and combined community services and all things new and a list of others. To strengthen our partnerships with them and then to use his gifting in some other roles, all aimed at helping us go after the third part of who we are as a church. He'll be using his creativity, his energy, his logistics and organizational gifts to help us impact our community and our world. We're going to have a time next month to thank Dave for his ministry for 25 years in music and to commission him to this new role helping us uh, reach our community and world, local and global. Uh, second thing to announce Another gifted person in our church family, good to announce that Dr. Wally Brath will become our interim worship director. So they moved here two and a half years ago, been part of the church family since then. Uh, Wally's been involved in leading his family also, leading worship here in our services. 
over those two and a half years. His main job is leading the worship arts program at Grace, where his role is to equip and prepare young worship leaders. We've had an amazing partnership uh, in terms of uh, the worship arts program in here. And because we're an equipping and ascending church, that partnership is going to get even stronger. And we are thrilled that Wally's going to bring his gifts to bear even more fully here. He's going to help us take next steps in the partnership. And we're praying God and his timing will lead us to the next worship director for our church. In the meantime, Wally's our interim worship director. So I want to invite you next Sunday night, part of the ministry matters that Kip invited you to next Sunday evening. A chunk of that meeting is going to be an extended conversation between Pastor Kip and Wally. And so I invite you to come hear that. We're grateful for the giftedness that God has already blessed all of us and will continue to bless us with Dave's giftedness and Wally's giftedness. Um, These transitions will happen next month but wanted you to know about him today. Okay, back to the story. Gifted. He's entrusted things to us. Now what? What do we do until the master returns? Well, there are two options on what we do. And we see them in the servants. So we get to verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Two options on what to do while we're waiting for the master to return. Well, we know what we're supposed to do with it, right? We assume. Really easy to assume. Well, we all know the basics of our faith and know how to pass them on. Really easy to assume. Well, parents and grandparents know, to, know how to, to, to help along their kids and their grandkids spiritually. Really easy to assume those who are in the older generations have the confidence to know how to pass things on to those behind them in the journey. Or assume, well, of course, everybody behind me in the journey, they're eager to learn from me. We don't want to assume. We don't want to assume that everyone gets it. So this year, we're going to do a lot of focus on calling, faith, investing. Some of us have walked with Jesus for decades. We've got so much to offer. We've still got a lot to learn. We've got so much to offer to those who are behind us on the journey of faith. Others, we're newer in our faith. We've got so much to learn but already have a lot to offer those who are behind us in the journey. Our two questions, who's your one? And who are you invested in? We've all been invited into the family and this amazing mission of being able to to pass on and to share. Have you responded to the invitation to belong to Jesus, to know him, to to receive his forgiveness, and then be part of this God-sized, unbelievable mission between now and when he returns, you're invited to be part of it. There are two ways that we can handle what he's entrusted to us. 
One is by investing. That's what the five-talent guy does and the two-talent guy. The word there in verse 16 is they went at once and put it to work. Put it to work. The word means traded it. Uh, they put it at risk. They started working with the money. In our culture, we say investing it. There was risk involved. I like what one person said. God is gracious and powerful enough to compensate for our incompetence. He'd rather have us risk too much than not risk and play it too safe. He'd rather have us risk too much than have us play it too safe. Option one was investing, putting it to work, trading it. Option two was the third servant, the one-talent guy. Dig a hole in the ground and bury it. It's the safest. Nothing will happen to it. No risk. But safe living is dangerous living for our souls. That's the point of the parable. Risking for God is dangerous. The five-talent guy, the two-talent guy. But not risking is more dangerous. The one-talent guy. Two options till the master returns. Investing or hiding. Well, then the master returns. Verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Uh, it's a commercial term. We would say today, um, they settled up. Uh, it, it's looking at the tab that was accumulated while he was gone. and Okay, let's settle up. He settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Settling accounts, the five-talent servant, the two-talent servant, two results of what they did in risking, in investing. Entrusted with more, more responsibility, more opportunity, and they got a share of the master's joy. The joy. Two results of their investing. There were results for the third servant, too. Look at what happened with him when accounts are settled. Then the man, verse 24, who had received the one talent came, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, Here's what belongs to you. He returned every penny to him. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
the Roman Empire minimum, you gave it to the moneylenders, was 6% interest. Could we tell Lake City Bank that? (laughs) What was up with the one talent servant? He didn't steal, wasn't reckless, didn't spend anything on himself, returned all 100% of the talent to his master. We think of wicked as doing bad things. This parable makes us wrestle with sometimes wicked can apply as much to what we don't do as to what we do. He had a problem. He misunderstood the character of his master. He's talking about uh, he's a hard man and he's uh, greedy or unjust. He's harvesting, gathering when he didn't do the work. Part of the point of the parable is he's confused about the character of his master. I wonder, when we take what God has entrusted us and we're, we're scared, we don't take a risk, we hide it in the ground, is it because we're confused about the character of our master? The talent, he's got two results also. The talent is taken away and given to the one with ten. And he's tossed out into the darkness. And the terms here, the New Testament description for hell, weeping, gnashing of teeth, darkness, separated from God and his goodness. I don't want to be that servant. You don't want to be that servant. Well done. Five, two, or worthless. One, hide it in the ground. When there's wasted opportunity, that one talent servant, it's tragic. John Piper tells the story of a a story that motivated him. There was an old man, he, he came to faith in Christ at an old age. And when he did, when he gave his life to Christ, he, he's sobbing uncontrollably. And he's sobbing, talking about his life up until the time he came to know Jesus. And, and through his sobbing, he says, I've wasted it. I've wasted my life. And John Piper writes about the impact of that story. He says, God awakened in me a fear and a passion not to waste my life. The thought of coming to my old age and saying through the tears, I've wasted it, was a fearful and horrible thought to me. I don't want to be that servant. You don't want to be that servant. So this parable is the settling of accounts, and it makes each of us think about our account. It's made me think about my account. Well done or worthless we started uh, this morning with what if, and knowing something is a sure thing. I know where this is headed. Is there risk? Yes. Is it messy to be invested in someone else? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Because it's a sure thing. I know where this is headed. This year we're going to focus on the ways in which we are invested in God's mission the way each of us is answering his calling in our lives. So we'll be through the year asking those two questions. Who's your one? And who are you invested in? 
What if? What if every man, woman, and child in the WLGBC church family could say they were spiritually invested in somebody else's life? So I invite you to join me in uh, praying. I've been praying for at least 100 in my category, 50 and above. I'm well above. At least 100, 50 and above who will say, yep, somebody behind me on the journey of faith, somebody 18 to 49, a single, a young married, somebody in the stage of life where they're raising their family, at least 100 who are going to go, yep, that's my, that's my one, that's the person I'm invested in who's already on the journey of faith. Imagine at least 100. So how do we get there? Over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about things that will help to in the process of, well, how do I find somebody behind me? And if I'm there, how do I find somebody ahead of me? We're going to be talking about ways to, to start down that path as a church family, invested. This morning, three suggestions. One, engage the Bible reading plan. It's on the back of the sermon outline, this week's readings. These next four weeks, all the readings are zeroing in on invested and, and being a learner. And uh, being able to pass on to somebody behind me on the journey of faith. So um, engage the Bible reading plan. It's a great time to do it. Second, have a peer conversation this week. So on the back of the sermon outline are some questions that are all, we want to start the conversation on who's your one and who are you invested in. So start with a peer conversation. So if you're a legacy uh, believer, a saint, uh, older generation, get one of your peers, start the conversation. If you are a uh, college-age young adult, get a peer and start the conversation. Those questions on the back uh, are intended to guide us through these next five weeks. Start the conversation with a peer conversation. Then uh, third... Make a choice to stop hiding it in the ground. Have you taken what's entrusted to you until now, uh, buried it, squandered it, been too scared, too fearful, thinking I'm disqualified, I don't have anything to offer, what am I going to teach somebody else? I I don't know what I have to pass on. 2019 is a new beginning. And we've got an opportunity as a church family to turn away from that, to stop hiding and invest. Invest. And uh, the way to begin that is to look in your pew. So go ahead, look up and down your pew right now. And then look behind you. And uh, look in front of you. Because my guess is that maybe it's not an accident. We tend to sit in the same zip code all the time. And uh, so the people that are in front of you, behind you, down the pew from you, what if God put that person there because that's going to be someone you get to invest in? Maybe it starts with looking in your pew. Or you can take the one in front or behind. Okay? Action steps to begin. We don't know what's going to happen with the investment that we make. What difference will my investment make? 
here's my list, different stages of my spiritual life. Ed, Don, Dick, Jim, John, Dan, Kevin, Bill, John, Tom. That's a starter list. Ten of them that invest, have invested in me. They didn't know, how's this going to end up? What difference will that make in his life? But they invested. 77-year-old man uh, decided he was going to make an investment in someone much younger. He wrote a note to a, a boy named Timothy. Wrote it years ago. His message was simple. He said, I want to be your new pen pal. The 77-year-old identified himself as a Texas resident. It was the start of writing a lot of letters. First letter that he wrote to Timothy. He said, I'm an old man, 77 years old, but I love kids. And though we haven't met yet, I love you already. I live in Texas. I will write you from time to time. Good luck, G. Walker. It was the first of many letters that he wrote. He invested financially also. He, he cared about Timothy's education, providing for his needs. I bet he didn't know what difference his investment was going to make. Timothy didn't know who it was until he graduated from high school, and then he found out that the 77-year-old was U.S. President George H.W. Bush. Who decided to invest in this kid? You don't know what difference your investment is going to make. Risky, messy, and eternally worth it. Pray with me. We've sung our praises to you, Father, because you are the, the king. All that uh, is going on now is just moving things toward new heaven, new earth, your kingdom, your rule, your reign, with no sin and no enemy to interrupt it. And between now and then, you've asked us to watch and work and invest I ask God that you would take us each down steps, down this path of identifying, answering who's our one and answering who are we invested in. And for, uh, for your sake, would you bring glory to yourself through this and a share of your joy to each of our hearts as we do. We love you. We worship you because of who you are and what you've done. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.